Welcome to A Year on Tour with Wittinghus. Here's your host, Hans Christian Wittinghus. Welcome to another episode of my podcast. Today, done from my hotel room here in Birmingham at the All England. And just quickly before we get into everything that has happened this week, I want to thank my latest patron, James, for joining. 46 patrons now, so we're getting closer and closer to the magic number 50 all the time. Thanks so much, guys, for your continued support to the work I do with this podcast. I wouldn't or couldn't do it without you. Just like I couldn't do it without everyone that listens and share the show, I do appreciate it so much. And as always, if you want to support as well going forward, you can go into patreon.com slash to read much more about the benefits you will get from it. Now, let's get into the action of what a crazy few days it's been during the All England so far. So I'll try to give you guys an update on everything without making it too long, which is really not an easy task with everything we've been through this uh, crazy, crazy week. So obviously, as you all probably know by now, I'm out of the event. I lost in the second round yesterday to Lee Jia from Malaysia. I'll get back to that match and also my first round match. But let's just start with the... Uh, the start of this week, what we experienced when we uh, arrived here on Sunday to give you uh, the full story. So usually we fly from Copenhagen straight to Birmingham, but that's not possible at the moment because of uh, the global pandemic. There's no flights from Copenhagen to Birmingham. So we had to fly Copenhagen, London, and then get picked up by bus and go from there to the hotel. Already when we landed in London, it was a bit chaotic. We had to queue in this huge, massive queue with loads of passengers from other flights too, not only the flight that we arrived with, but yeah, from everywhere in the world. So we ended up standing in that queue waiting to show all our documents uh, to prove that we could get into the country and didn't have to quarantine and so on. We, we We stood in that queue for a little over two hours and I tell you that social distancing was pretty hard with so many people in such a uh, a small space and everyone just so eager to, to get out of there. Anyway, after another half hour wait or so, we, uh, we got into the bus, uh, a bus that was completely full uh, as we were so many Danes. So there was no empty seat left and we had another two hour bus drive. Uh, again, not really that pleasant uh, after a, a long journey and uh, a lot of stress and chaos and uh, yeah, just not feeling really comfortable. Uh, anyway, we arrived at the hotel around, I think, 11 in the evening, local time. So just about like nine quite unpleasant hours after uh, starting my journey from back home. That's not exactly what we're used to when we travel from Denmark to the All Englands. I know, of course, the Asians, they had longer trips, but uh, when we play in Europe, we uh, we like to enjoy the, the shorter trips, and this was definitely uh, not one of them. But uh, I guess that's just uh, the new normal at the moment with uh, everything that's going on with COVID-19. Anyway, the, uh, the late arrival at the hotel meant that we got our COVID-19 test 
postponed until the next morning. Which was really no issue, or at least we didn't think so, because we were supposed to quarantine on most of uh, that Monday anyway, until the test results got back. Um, so yeah, it didn't really make much of a difference. We were not intending to start practice in the main hall until Tuesday anyway, uh, with matches uh, commencing on Wednesday. Clearly, it didn't exactly uh, go like that. As all of Monday, we didn't really get any info about the test results. We were told they were delayed, but we still felt quite confident all the way that answers would get back to us so we could uh, do our planned training on, on Tuesday, or at least we hope so. But we weren't able to train on Tuesday as uh, news at some point hit that uh, and obviously honestly it's not really clear for me anymore when we got the news but we got the news that one of our coaches had tested positive obviously quite a a shock for us as he had uh, tested negative four times in the past 14 days including just two days before we we boarded the flight so it was quite hard to understand how he suddenly had a a positive test also given that we Everyone in the national team is really trying to limit their social contacts with, with anyone, especially leading up to, to these events, to try and minimize the, the risk of getting uh, the infection. So yeah, when we heard the news, panic obviously started uh, spreading on the team. No, no doubt about that. The rules here in England state pretty clearly that anyone who has been on a plane with an infected person going here to England, they have to quarantine for 10 days with no exceptions. Doesn't matter where on the plane you sit. So if you sit in the front and the infected person was in the last row, it doesn't matter if you were on the same plane. They considered you being a uh, close contact. So that would obviously mean that if our coach was in fact positive and there was nothing to do about it, we would all have to quarantine for 10 days and there would be yeah, no all England for, for any of us. It turned out that there were being a lot of efforts done behind the scenes to try and avoid the situation. Um, but yeah, hope was looking pretty uh, pretty bleak for us, and uh, especially as the organizers refused first off to to do a second test on the coach to confirm the result. They were happy with the first result uh, was uh, was truthful. But I think what saved us was that more and more resu- results came back, and turned out that there were six more positives from the entire batch of uh, of tests and there were also what from what we heard 40 tests that came back with inconclusive results so they couldn't decide if those were positive or negative so the chances of seven people who are all tested negative prior to traveling sudden being positive seems rather crazy to me but I'm, yeah, of course, I'm not an expert, but if you combine it with the 40 inconclusive results as well, I think it's a pretty good sign that that something went wrong somewhere in the testing process. And I'm sure that's also why, in the end, BWF and Badminton England succeeded in convincing the NHS, which is the National Health uh, in, uh, in England, um, they convinced them that a new round of testing would be in place for uh, for those affected with the inconclusive test and also the the positive test instead of having to quarantine basically yeah half of the uh, all england uh, field surely it did take uh, quite a bit of effort to to get there and we also got that news uh, pretty late so a new round of testing uh, was done on 
on these guys. The results came back late, late Tuesday evening, right before midnight. A lot of the players had already gone to bed, not knowing if we would be able to play the next day or if we had to quarantine for for 10 days just sitting in the hotel room. I was still awake at the time we got the news, so obviously I was just... Uh, I was just really relieved and uh, also happy that we would get to play the next day. I also was panicking a little bit about the preparations. Uh, I have been struggling all day to to really do uh, anything physically active on uh, in the hotel room. Uh, I was struggling with the motivation as I didn't really see us get out of uh, out of this uh, bad situation. Uh, we were all on the same flight as uh, as the coach, so I was pretty sure that we had to quarantine for for ten days. Uh, yeah, so I felt both sad and like hopeless most of the time <laughs> on on Tuesday. Uh, I had a few moments where I also felt that uh, now I have to I have to prepare and as if I have to play if if the miracle happens and we uh, we we will be allowed to, uh, but. Yeah, I had so many bad thoughts also about this entire trip. I'm, I'm supposed to go to Orléans in France next week, uh, and that would also be an impossibility if uh, I had to to quarantine for for ten days. So there were thoughts about the waste of money, uh, even though I'm in- insured for COVID nineteen related uh, issues, but also like just the time away from home would feel like a complete waste if I didn't even get to play at all. But yeah, anyway, wasn't the case any longer. Now I could focus on my match, which was scheduled for late evening on Wednesday. Uh, obviously, at the time where I got the news, uh, right before midnight, I didn't know when I was going to play on Wednesday. Uh, they didn't have the manager's meeting until Wednesday morning, where they also planned the uh, the timing of the matches. So I didn't know at that time if I was going to play early Wednesday or, or late uh, Wednesday. Uh, but anyway, I could go to bed, get some sleep and some rest, and start focusing on playing badminton. It turned out on Wednesday that I had to play yeah, late evening. I got that news around noon. Um, so yeah, I was supposed to play Misha Silberman, and that's also who I got to play. So yeah, let's talk a little bit more about that match instead of uh, the preparations. Surely it wasn't my best performance when I played Misha. I won the match 21-16-21-19. I didn't play well. I didn't really move well. uh, But I I won the match, which is uh, the most positive thing I can say about it. Uh, I think I kept my composure pretty uh, well. And I was just happy and also relieved to to win the match uh, and close it down in two games in the end as well. Uh, I almost uh, threw away a 2016 lead in the uh, second game. He came back to 2019 and I was actually uh, quite fortunate to to win that final point. Uh, but yeah, I just I felt so tired and slow on court, and in my mind there was there was no doubt that it was mainly down to the the preparation being so poor, uh, all the mental energy that I've used on the the entire situation that made me feel yeah just powerless and and tired and with with no energy uh, at all. I felt like Misha was the faster player on court, and that's obviously not a great feeling to have. That that you feel your opponent is is faster than yourself. 
Um, of course, it also didn't make it better that we had to play uh, at 10 in the evening, but no complaining. It was the same for Misha. He was probably uh, also unsure uh, about who he was going to play and stuff like that. So, yeah, no complaints from my side. It's just an explanation as to why I didn't feel great on court. And uh, like everyone else, I was just very happy and grateful that I actually got to play. So I moved on to the second round which was yesterday against uh, Li Shijiar from Malaysia, as I uh, mentioned earlier. Of course, very tough battle for me against a higher-ranked opponent and someone I had never beaten before. Only played him once at the Thomas Cup 2018. Uh, lost 21-18, 21-18. So, yeah, knew it was going to be difficult. Even though I finished the late, uh, finished late the night prior in my Superman uh, match. <laughs> Misha Superman match sorry uh i didn't really feel bad going into this match physically i, I got to bed around 1 30 uh the night before uh so i should feel tired but yeah i i didn't my body actually felt much better uh for for this match against lisi uh, than i did in the first round also my mind i felt more fresh and uh yeah with with much more energy and just excited to uh to go on court and and challenge this guy who I think is an uh, amazing player and someone with a really high level when he uh, he plays his best. Unfortunately, though, I couldn't really convey this feeling of uh, feeling ready and excited into a good play on court. Lisi Jarrett played really well. He was so sharp on the front of the court. I struggled controlling the uh, the drift in game one where I was playing on the fast side. The drift is a little bit stronger this year compared to, to previous years. Uh, I think I'm usually not bad at uh, controlling it, but uh, I really had a hard time doing that against Li Shijia, and I think it's also down to the fact he played so sharp on the front of the court that it, it, it made it difficult for me to control the the shuttle when I wanted to play lifts and uh, generally play to his uh, to the back of his court. That feeling of uh, not really feeling secure and safe uh, with my shots on the, the front of the court kind of uh, settled into everything in my game, made me feel very tense and, and insecure about everything and also a bit insecure on how to go about the match, how to approach it, what, what way I should play tactically. I kept on fighting hard, I kept on working with myself mentally, I tried to focus on the right things and be positive and be open to the suggestions from uh, Kenneth who was uh, coaching me but it just never really happened for me I could not find the calmness to trust my game so I, I was just I was too eager to all the time like create openings and score points all the time instead of just playing the game patiently and, and trusting my defense lots of credit to him for taking his chances and exploiting all of the opportunities he got obviously his attack and the way that uh, he just punished me all the time is also a big part of the reason why I never really managed to to settle in the game. He was ruthless in his attack throughout the match. I have to I have to say that. And he also just beat Momota today. I saw that uh, right before I started rep- uh, recording this podcast. So I guess it's safe to say that he's uh, he's playing pretty well at the moment. Of course, I got frustrated along the way, uh, but I do feel like I kept trying to get out of it. As I said, I kept fighting, I kept trying to work hard, but in the end, yeah, it just didn't happen, and I lost uh, pretty convincingly 21-12, 21-13. So I'm quite disappointed with my level of play in that match, but 
yeah i'm also trying not to be too hard on myself as i do feel like i still have have the tools like they're still there and i feel that my high level and my great game is there and i uh, i believe that i can get it out there next week when i uh, i go to all young my body is feeling fine i will have a or hopefully at least i will have a better chance to prepare better than i did the for the final few days leading up to uh, all england uh, hopefully with less uh, quarantine drama uh, so yeah if i can do a better job and at focusing on uh, what i need to focus on in terms of my preparations and nothing else i i just look forward to another chance next week in uh, all young of course it's not the all england it's uh, just a super 100 event not a super 1000 but i'm just so excited to to get to play no matter what event or level it is uh, and there's a lot of really really good players in uh, in france next week so it's going to be a a really tough challenge and something i'm i'm excited to uh, to be part of now after I got off court in that second uh, round match, I got the horrible news that the entire Indonesian team had to withdraw from the event. That they've been forced to to withdraw due to the fact that someone on their flight coming to England from Turkey, I think it was, uh, had tested positive for COVID nineteen. Not not someone on the team. Actually, not even someone related to the badminton event. It was just some uh, random passenger that had tested positive and the track and trace system uh, that the uh, national health uh, authorities uh, have in place uh, then uh, sent out emails to uh, to the players to inform them that they had to quarantine straight away 10 days from the day of uh, arrival. Uh, so I guess... The fact that it was not a person from the badminton community is also the fact why, or the reason why it took quite a few days before the the news actually uh, got to uh, to the Indonesian team. It was not BWF who found out. It was uh, yeah NHS uh, of course, uh, and they informed the the players directly. Uh, so I have no idea when that person got tested or when they they got uh, the the positive result back. Uh, but yeah, I would. I would guess that that's probably why there was a, a delay in when the the players actually uh, were told. Apart from the Indonesian team, also the Turkish player Neslihan Yigit had to uh, had to withdraw as uh, she was on the the same flight as the infected passenger. Obviously, that was ter- terrible, devastating news to uh, to the badminton community. Uh, for me, it didn't mean anything in terms of the uh, actual tournament that I, I was not—I was already out, so I wouldn't uh, gain anything from it. Even though some people say that uh, that I, I don't feel sorry for the Indonesians because uh, I don't want to play them, uh, I was already out, so uh, that's not really uh, a good explanation. I think it's just so bad news for everyone uh, and honestly no one affiliated with this tournament would want this to happen it's it's bad on all parameters the competitiveness of the event goes down and it is the most prestigious event in the world so no no one wants that we all want to play and compete with the best in the world indonesia is such an important country in the world of badminton in terms of attracting interest from fans sponsors so 
like you could just feel straight away that this was going to be a disaster in terms of PR as well. No, no doubt about that. So I really don't see anyone who who would want this to happen, and we just feel so bad for the the players that uh, that had to withdraw. They worked so hard for going to events like these, and yeah, I I can only try to imagine uh, the frustration they uh, they must have uh, felt when they got the news. At first, I think BWF was also a bit slow to communicate and failed to communicate with like enough transparency and detail to satisfy all the disappointed players and also fans from from Indonesia, as you know uh, from my uh, previous history with them. Uh, also with the Indomie story, they can be uh, uh, pretty uh, uh, passionate on uh, online, and uh, they are not afraid of uh, engaging. So with a lot of misinterpretations already being uh, out there because of a, a lack of uh, information, uh, I, I think it was just a really bad start to to how uh, how this should be handled in the uh, best possible way. I honestly also don't think, no matter how well they had handled it in terms of communication from the BWF office, it would be impossible for them to not make this a disaster no matter what people are really quick at uh, drawing conclusions uh, without seeing the full picture having all the uh, the details there's so much passion and emotions involved in indonesian badminton and that's also what we love them for but uh, i think it was a always going to be a pretty difficult task for bwf to uh, to make everyone feel like the indonesians were being treated fairly in uh, in this matter the fans and the players, they feel unfairly treated now because the infected person on board of the Indonesian flight was not retested like the seven positives and uh, all the inconclusive uh, tests that were done before the tournament. They were retested. Um, so the Indonesians feel it's unfair that that the same thing didn't happen to this infected person on board of their flight. Uh, I'm not really sure how that person was going to be tested uh, as PWF will not know who it is they have no right to know uh, it's just a random person he can be anywhere or she can be anywhere we don't even know if uh, it's a male or, or female they can be anywhere in England by now it's only the NHS who, who knows who the person is of course you can say that PWF should put a lot of pressure on NHS for for a retest to happen uh, I don't know anything about what they've done there I have no info uh, at all uh, I'm sure 100% sure that BWF did not want the entire Indonesian team to uh, be withdrawn from the event so I'm sure they tried something I don't know what but I'm sure they tried something to avoid the situation because uh, it is obviously a huge disaster for them too there are also some complaints that since all the Indonesians now have to quarantine all of their opponents, because some Indonesians already played, so all of their opponents and all the people they've been in contact with since they arrived here, they should quarantine as well. That is a misunderstanding of the rules, because uh, uh, the rules of who is considered a close contact here in England, and I think in most of Europe, at least also back in Denmark, you're only considered a close contact if you've been in contact with someone who's actually infected, who has a positive test. Not if you've only been in close contact with someone who's been in close contact with an infected person. Did that make sense? I hope so. So you have to actually be in contact or on a plane with someone who actually has a positive test 
to be considered a close contact and then having to quarantine. And since no Indonesian team member actually has a positive positive test, on the contrary, they only have negative tests, no one who has been in contact with the Indonesians will be considered close contacts, and that's why they will not have to quarantine. As I said, that's how it works here. It's also how it works in Denmark, and I think it is like that in most of uh, Europe, actually. Anyway, I'm not gonna sit here and make up all kinds of uh, excuses for BWF. I'm not the judge uh, of uh, how they should have handled it or if they handled it well enough. There are lots of other misconceptions on this entire affair, uh, no doubt about that, but there's too much for me to go into all of it. I also don't know all the details, so it's not really for me to do. But what has been so incredibly frustrating is how so many fans has taken it out on me and all the other players from all the countries, not, not only the Danes, but maybe it's been a little bit harder on the Danes because we had one of the positive... Uh, uh, or false positives uh, on the uh, on the first day, but so many fans have tried to take it out on us and blame us, or told us that we should withdraw in sympathy with the uh, Indonesians and Indonesians, and it's definitely not our fault in any way. We don't deserve any of the blame for this very very unfortunate situation. I will not defend BWF for how they handle it. I'm not trying to, but I just urge everyone to behave like civilized people when they deal with this matter. I know the Indonesian people as being very kind and friendly from all the many times I've been in Indonesia and from talking to them online as well on my uh, social media. But there are so many terrible messages this time. And I know most of you luckily still are being very polite and friendly but it's it's more crazy this time that one i've uh, what i've experienced before some people are wishing our coach that he dies and saying that next time he goes to indonesia it will be war and he will die all other kinds of messages wishing us to get sick or wishing our families to get sick that we lose our matches or yeah what's even worse it's just not okay, and there's no excuse for using this kind of language, no matter how frustrating the situation is, being an Indonesian badminton lover. And if you think that uh, I should just ignore the few messages, it's not a few messages this time, it's so, so many. So I think it's it's not the right thing to ignore it, it's the right thing to actually address it and say that it's just not okay. In terms of uh, all those saying that we should all withdraw to show sympathy, I didn't see all these people asking for the Indonesians to withdraw before the event started, as most of the Scottish badminton team actually was in a very similar situation. They also had negative tests, all of them, but they were forced to isolate at home for 10 days as some random passenger on their flight home from Swiss Open got a positive test. So the quarantine they had to go into made them miss All England by just one day, but Apparently, we shouldn't so show solidarity to them, and of course, I don't think no one should withdraw. The show must go on. It's very unfortunate. It's so unlucky for the Indonesians. It's so unlucky for the Scottish players. It's so unlucky for Neslihan Yigit from Turkey as well. But badminton needs this restart. It's a hell of a lot worse if everything if everything gets cancelled. So what needs to happen is for BWF, BWF and all the organizers to just learn from this situation and make sure it will be handled better in terms of communication, especially the next time. 
do we trust that to happen? I don't know. We uh, we don't have the best track record of, of that. But of course, it's my belief 100% that everyone should just play on and not, not pull out to, to try and show uh, some misunderstood sympathy in, uh, in this uh, situation. That, that's just my view. You're free to, to disagree with that. Maybe we should also in the future look more into just like quarantine periods as well and creating bubble systems. Although I know it's quite tricky to do in this part of the world, uh, but we, we need to look into it to, to make sure we don't uh, end up in a situation like this again. I understand and I acknowledge why the Indonesians, both the players and also the fans, they feel it's hard and it's unfair on them. I honestly do feel so sorry for them. But yeah, I just really don't see how it's it's something that you should take out on, on me or, or anyone else. And I also don't see how it's an excuse to use the language that we've seen on social media the past few days. Anyway, no more talk about that from my side today. You're always very welcome to drop me a comment or a question. I apologize if I don't reply to them all, but it is pretty intense on social media these days, uh, so I'm sure you uh, can understand. I cannot get back to all of you. Finally, also a huge thanks to all of you for both listening, but especially also for all the messages of support I've received, including from the majority, again, I have to underline that, that it's majority of Indonesian badminton lovers who feel bad about all the messages, bad messages we are getting. Um, so they send us uh, messages of support instead, and I appreciate that so much. And I just want you to know that me and all the other players, we do notice you and we appreciate lo- the love and concern so much. Everyone, I'm off. It's time to focus on getting ready for All Young Masters, where I will be making my next podcast from. And I hope to do a few more next week than I did this week, talking more about my matches. Take care, everyone. Bye. Thank you for listening to A Year on Tour with Wittinghus. If you enjoyed the show, please rate, share and leave a comment in iTunes or your preferred podcast app.